and welcome to the Limitless Outdoors podcast brought to you by Eberly Stock. Today, I am with Adam and my brother Colton. And we are going to be kind of walking through what happened on Colton's once-in-a-lifetime sheep hunt in some of the gnarliest, ruggedest, most beautiful... I don't know what else to describe Nastiest. it as. It's just a nasty place um, <laughs> in the Middle Fork of the Salmon in Idaho. And we're going to be talking about some of the adversity, some of the things that we didn't expect, some of the cool stories that didn't make it onto the video, uh, and all sorts of stuff today. So we're just going to kind of have about an hour, hour and a half conversation about that sheep hunt and some learning lessons and what the Lord showed us over that time. So guys, yeah, you ready? Yep. I'm ready. Definitely. All right. So Colton, why don't you walk us through maybe your desire to hunt sheep and how many years you've been applying just to get a sheep tag? So I've been putting in... Um, for about 10 years, I had a, I had a couple breaks in there that I didn't put in, but since Justin took his, or took his sheep 10 years ago in, uh, 2012, I've wanted to draw sheep and go into these areas. And I always went for the one that had the highest draw odds. And that was 27 one. Um, looking back at it now, I probably wouldn't have put in for the unit, would have put in for a different one and held out and just suffered through not drawing for years to get a better unit um but yeah i i was well, i mean you could take a page out of adam's book i mean you've been putting in for the same unit your whole life haven't you yeah i've been putting in for 13 years now yeah so ever since i could hunt been putting yeah. in for the same unit and, and it's not like i do i'm from montana so we get bonus points and i still haven't drawn so <sighs> i just crazy. have bad luck <laughs> <laughs> so what so you saw this unit highest draw odds and you've been putting in for, I mean, there was a point where the draw odds were like one and two and a half per residence. Yeah. And I still didn't. That's draw. how low they were. And yeah. you couldn't draw it to save your life. Yep. So couldn't draw it to save my life. Um, back when I first started putting in for it, it was like one, maybe two sheep get killed out of the unit. Now it's six. Last year, I think it was seven sheep got killed out of the unit. So why do you think the higher numbers? getting killed uh information is more readily available nowadays so um the biggest thing i would say is that guys that have gone into the area uh, they have killed things they share that on social media people reach out to them they talk converse figure out where the animals are and it's narrowed it down a lot um there's there's a whole other end to it where you can you can ask for data from the fishing game um, for where sheep are killed turns out that that data is completely falsified <laughs> so um yeah uh, the that's uh, an interesting thing isn't it everybody's lying about where they're killing these which animals is to crazy to me i don't feel like that's legal but every single person i've talked to um there's like one or two that are honest about where they kill sheep and then everybody else is i mean it, obviously the guides aren't going to say right where they're hunting but um yeah, it, it's interesting. I don't know how that works out in the long run for them, but uh, yeah, they. I think that currently they need to drop the tag number back down to a reasonable number. So maybe before we get to the conclusion of that, like let's kind of walk through the hunt. So you put in back in May. Yep. Or is it April? It's April. 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 Yeah. Idaho. And then you draw the tag. Were you excited? Extremely excited. We we just come out from bear hunting when I saw that I drew the tag and I kind of flipped out a little bit. I was super excited as I'd been dreaming of it for 10 years. And uh, 
Yeah. Um, unmet expe- expectations. That's, that's what you've been saying a lot this year. So <laughs> had high hopes and uh, 19 days of hunting changes those hopes pretty quickly. Well, but if we're honest, there were some mistakes on our side that led to that. I oh, mean, definitely. like it's real easy to, it's easy to look at all the negative side of it and the things that didn't happen. Um, and like some of the things that could definitely be improved from a management standpoint. Mm-hmm. But like when I think back on it, we definitely made some big doozy mistakes. Oh yeah. We had it. We had it. That in led the bag to where and we it ended left. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, um, how about we talk about that a little bit? So you're all excited about it. Then what did we do through the summer? Cause I mean, when you start talking about a once in a lifetime tag, you're like, we talk about it when you get a once in a lifetime tag, it kind of messes up our season because you're having to dedicate a ton of time to it. Everything to it. So like Adam, you know, a lot of guys that have been successful over where you are. And I mean, they give their whole season, don't they? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I personally know a couple of them. And, uh, last year, one of my good buddies drew it and he said, he said, I'm hunting this sheep and I, I won't hunt deer or elk until I kill this sheep. Like they're on the back burner because you can shoot a deer and elk every year, but the sheep's, you know, once in a lifetime. So for me, like knowing that and seeing these guys doing it and actually, and being successful and shooting good rams, I'm like, okay, now I know what it takes. So if I ever draw, I know kind of base knowledge of what to do and how to manage your season. So for somebody that was putting in for a once in a lifetime tag, what would be your recommendation? Because so like, I know a lot of times I put in for these once in a lifetime tags and I don't even have time to go hunt them. Like now looking back at Colton's experience, I'm just like, that was, shouldn't have even been putting in. Yeah. Like, yeah. You got to be able to take a couple of weeks, a couple, three weeks, yeah. four weeks, something like the length of the season potentially if you want to be successful, yeah. like there's a difference between just going out and experiencing it and maybe being successful and then like actually being successful. Yeah. And uh, the way I think of it, looking back, it's like, sure, we hunted 19 days, but it felt like we scouted for 18, 18 days <laughs> and then we found the Rams. 18 yeah. days. And if you, and we've talked about this, you guys went to Alaska and in that time season was open, but yeah. you, I know you guys went down a couple of times in the summer and looked around, but. Yeah, I don't think enough time was dedicated to actually scouting and figuring out where specifically to spend your time. So, for yeah, sure. I mean, we spent, when we finally found the sheep on our scouting trip down there, like the tracks of them, not even, we didn't even see the sheep. We just saw the tracks. We were in there for the afternoon and like it got dark on us while we were back there. Didn't get to actually spend any time glassing, pulled out and that was it. That was our entire scouting trip. So it looked promising back there, and it turns out that's where we should have stayed. It's where all the good rams it's were killed. It's where all the good rams were killed. <laughs> so we messed up there big time. We didn't we moved too much. I'd say that was probably the number one mistake is that we moved way too much. We yeah. should have stuck out spots for at least a week at a time. I mean, I think the number one mistake uh, inarguably was that we weren't there opening day. Oh yeah. Yeah, for that sure. Was, After like, the sheep so, had already been bumped around and everything else. If I'm just being honest, I would say overconfidence led to some of oh, our decision making. And then like also thinking, so overconfidence that we would for sure be able to find a good ram, no matter what, because we had so much season. Um, but then like an under uh an underappreciation for other people's tenacity to go after those once in a lifetime tags. Yep. So what happened specifically 
and you can maybe elaborate a little bit more on this, but what happened specifically is we went in before season, found the sheep, and we're like, well, we'll come back after we go to Alaska because we didn't want to put the Alaska trip on the back burner. Yep. And so we're like, oh, well, we'll just come back afterwards and go in there. And in that span of time, the spot that we had found the sheep in that we'd scouted early on, three good rams got pulled out of there yep. by other guys before we even got there. Yeah. Yep. So that's an issue. Yeah, it's a major <laughs> issue. It made it, it made it to where the sheep were moving. Uh, they'd moved up into spots that we weren't anticipating them to be in. We even bumped a couple of them. Never got to see them. But yeah, it's a. Uh, we definitely went in there with different expectations of how it was going to go, for sure. So, so I heard, I heard a pastor once. Uh, his name was Mark Driscoll, and I, he's still pastoring now. But he went through some different some difficult struggles in his leadership. And uh, what he said, though, has always stuck with me. He said, "God's plan A is humility." And yep. his plan B is humiliation. Yep. And I thought, like, that just applies to everything. I was, uh, Billy Moles, um, you guys, I think, know yep. Billy. Yep. Uh, guides in Alaska. He, you know, he's killed so much stuff. He's got so much experience. He was sharing a story the other day about how he went coyote hunting with these guys. And they call the coyote in, and it comes in at 90 yards. And he rushes the shot and shoots. And this is after days of coyote hunting, and they couldn't, they didn't get anything. And he rushes the shot, shoots, and he hasn't missed forever, but he misses this coyote and he let the whole team down. And he was just kind of sharing honestly about his pride. He's like, I was overconfident. Yeah. I knew I could pull the shot off, like no big deal. But my pride led to the disappointment of the entire team. Yeah. And so that theme, I've been just really kind of thinking that circling around the the sheep hunt because like from my standpoint, as I said earlier, you know, I would say a huge amount of our shortcoming on the sheep hunt was our pride in thinking. Like, and we had, you know, we have been good hunters. We have been successful. We've yep. turned up stuff in every situation. Um, but for, a, we didn't take it seriously and we weren't humble in that sense. Like, yeah. you know, we need to, everybody's told us this is a hard unit. In fact, Shane's even hunted it. You know, he killed a ram out of there after two weeks of hunting. Yeah. And um, I, I just see this huge theme of just humility because uh, it's so important for us as Christians, especially mm -hmm. to walk in that humility and not just think everything's going to fall into our lap, not think everything's going to work out, even though it has just to be kind of sober about it. Yep. Approach when you have something so serious as a once in a lifetime hunt to approach it mm -hmm. seriously yeah. instead of cocky and arrogant a yeah. little bit. Right. Yep. So that was a huge lesson for me Yeah. with no. it. But so what, what led to your thoughts specifically about like, why didn't we hunt opening morning? And it was one of those things where we love Alaska. Um, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I was excited for the hunt. And after the hunt was all said and done, I don't, I can't say that I love sheep hunting. Like I like where they live, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think I love sheep hunting. I, I love going up to Alaska. Alaska is just an incredible place and you get quiet and, you're enjoying it. it. I didn't. What part, didn't you like part, about it? Like what, what part of sheep? Yeah, hunting? what part? Because this is your first real experience, like actually hardcore sheep yeah. hunting. What didn't you like about sheep hunting? Um, the, the lack of animals. I mean, just in general, like not just the sheep, but the lack of any animals in the area. Like that could be was, more. That's kind of more unit specific, though, to where you were mm -hmm. hunting for sure. Oh right? yeah, for sure. It, that definitely is. But like where we were at. It wasn't, it wasn't like we were glassing over 
tons of different animals and looking at bulls and looking at a bunch of bears. I mean, we saw some bears on the first spot that we went that first week, but after that, I mean, we didn't see, we never saw, we saw that one small mule deer buck up there. You and I did. But then after that, we never saw another mule deer buck. Um, we saw very few bulls running around, saw very few sheep in general. I saw a bunch of ewes and lambs uh, towards the end of the hunt. But overall, it was just very desolate there. So it, as far as that goes, that, that was a major thing. Like it, It's one thing if you're out there and you're enjoying it and you're, you're looking at animals and you're having fun talking about them and possibly even chasing after them. But when you're just grinding it out and you're not seeing anything, that... That so takes a toll. Maybe just for more clarity then. Cause I think there's a difference between like I don't like sheep hunting and the unit I was in was not ideal for sheep. Yeah, I had a bad yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a bad experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, because yeah, you, and we've talked about this before, and I feel like you're a little, you know, you kind of got a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. That, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Some of it our own decisions, some of it just like you said, like it was just that was the big thing for me when I was in there. I was like, this place is a dead zone. I've yeah. never seen anything like I was hiking with a rifle in my hands. I was like, there's no doubt I'm going to kill a big mule deer today. Never even saw a doe. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, no, it's wild. It was crazy. Yeah. It was very, very desolate there. So, so, like, from your standpoint, Adam, what did you think about the desolation, like the animal population where during that time of year in there? Uh, going into it, I expected better. And it's actually, it's, the most desolate and uh, lack most lack of game I've ever seen in an area. Like we've we've always been really fortunate to get ni- kill nice animals in a short period of time. Like we might spend five days on a hunt and we all tag out, and we've been fortunate that way. And then we go here and we went days and days and days without seeing a single thing, single living animal. And I just could not wrap my, my head around that. And so, yeah, it's very eye-opening looking at that versus what we've had before and being thankful that all of our hunts aren't that way. That's a good way <laughs> of saying it. Yeah. So, like, let's, let's maybe kind of timeline it a little bit, though. Some of the, what were some of the highlights of it going through? Like, so one thing I think of from the highlight, for me anyway, was flying. I love flying in that country. Oh, yeah. yep. um, but the other one's the fishing. Like the fishing was pretty incredible yeah, on when, the main river there. When we went scouting, it was fishing was phenomenal, but I didn't get to do a whole lot of fishing after that point. We did a little bit down at uh, Loon Creek. So, but Adam did more fishing than I did overall. So you caught some good yeah, cuts. Yeah, I, I spent a couple of days, well, a couple afternoons, I guess, fishing, fly fishing on the main river. And yeah, it was exceptional. I mean, just good sized trout. Golly. You know. <laughs> Good size, good size. Yeah. No, I mean no, they were okay. They all, were okay. And, yeah. All honesty, I think the biggest one I caught was like an eighteen-inch cutthroat, which was but nice. Well, that's that. a big, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a big. big I mean, that, on a fly rod, that's a good fish. Yeah. 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 So I mean, when when you talk about sheep hunting, the it's not just about killing the ram. No. Like it's all the it's every it's the country that you're in. It's the struggle. Yeah. I mean, it's the brutal physical requirements of it. It's pretty awesome. So we end up going to Alaska, not a hunting opening morning. We get in there. When did we even get in there? I don't I think the seventeenth. Seventeenth or eighteenth of September. So season's yeah. been going almost three weeks. Yeah. 
at this point. Yeah. It had been three weeks because it opened August 30th. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was, are some... Let's talk about like the awesome stuff. So we've kind of talked about some of the things that we came in with some overconfidence and mm-hmm. unmet expectations yeah. of it for sure. Because you kind of hype up once in a lifetime. I've seen a lot of guys get crushed by that. They have all these ideas of what a once in a lifetime, especially like a Shirus Moose. Oh, yeah. All these ideas of what a once in a lifetime Shirus Moose is going to be. And they end up shooting this little thing with alien paddles. Yeah. The yeah. very last day, right? Yeah. Um, but like, what are some, there's some amazing stories that weren't told in the video. Oh, yeah. And some serious adventure stuff going on. So if I was to ask the question, like, what was the, what was the craziest thing that happened on the hunt? We'll have Colton first and then Adams. So like, what craziest moment on the hunt for you? And it might be the same thing, but <laughs> the craziest moment of the hunt was the rafting down the river, especially once Adam and I decided that we were both going to take the boat and the sheep and the horns and all of our gear out after the 18th or ninth, after the 19th day. That was the 20th day out there. And we were floating down to the flying beach. Now, when you say raft, you might want to define that for people that are listening right now. So, yeah. (laughs) We stuck two grown men, a full sheep, and a uh, a bunch of horns in a raft that was no joke. I don't think it was six feet long. It might have been six and a half at best. Tell the story of the rafters asking you about your your raft before (laughs) they'd seen it, before they'd seen it. Uh, So, we'd killed the sheep, and we're... We're sitting there, and the uh, we'd just gotten up, and we we're packing up all our gear, and these guys come up. They'd just rafted down these big, beautiful rafts, had tons of space. There were yeah, three guys. <laughs> three guys, huge rafts. They were fine. They just kind of float down the river, and water pushes them down. No problem. And uh, they come up and talking to us. And I'm asking them about the rapids that are coming up. I knew about a couple of them. I knew about uh, tapping. And I knew about Cove. I knew those two were bad. Tappan Falls. Yeah, Tappan <laughs> Falls. It's not a rapid, it's yeah. Falls. And Cove Creek Rapids. And uh, I'm talking to them about it. And they're like, oh yeah, those are the only two that you have to worry about. And like, I'm like, so there's none others, right? Yeah, yeah, you're fine. And they're like, what kind of raft do you have? It's a Hydroforce. <laughs> And I'm like, huh, not familiar with that uh that rafting brand. Like, oh no, it's a Walmart tow behind boat. Like <laughs> it's the same company that makes your inner tubes that you tow behind boats. Hydroforce. Huh. So they go up to their boats and we get done talking and Adam and I drop down and we're loading everything up into the boat and they come by and the only words out of the guy's mouth were are you guys going to be okay? <laughs> and they just floated by speechless. And uh, long story short, we were, we were anything but okay. That, uh, <laughs> that raft, it was, it was all right when it was just me in it. And we portaged it around Tappan and Tappan Falls and Cove Creek. But there were, there was a mini rapid before Tappan Falls that in that boat, did they and neglect to they, mention that one? They oh, neglected yeah. to mention the mini one that was before it, which in that boat was not mini. In that boat, it was... <laughs> it was yeah, it was treacherous, to say the least. So I went through that one, and I asked him what side to portage around. And he's like, oh yeah, just go on the right side. Turned out the right side was the rocky, nasty side. It was a cliff going down. But I couldn't get back across the creek, so we portaged around this nasty side. 
keep on going. Poor Adam walked 30 miles on this trip. And <laughs> I'd be like, okay, I'm going to make it. We're going to make it here. Okay, yeah. I'll meet you there. And I'd yeah. just start hiking and he'd start floating. Yeah. And because what many people might not know, so there's airstrips all along yep. the Salmon yep. River in there. Yep. And so you guys got dropped off on Mahoney. an airstrip. Yeah, yeah. And then you were going to get pulled out on another one. So you're moving down through this country. Oh, yeah. And it, was, it, was, it was 30 miles of river, I think. Yeah. Between yeah. the two. Yeah. So, but we got down through Cove Creek. And at that point, I was tired of having Adam walk and Adam was tired of walking, I'm sure. <laughs> and so we both jumped in and once that happened, we were dumping water out every quarter mile for a very long time. Like, so this wasn't a self-bailing No, this raft. was not a self-bailing raft. <laughs> who, got you, who got you guys this raft? Um, <laughs> some, some guy, some, some guy, <laughs> a guy. I still feel know. bad about giving yeah. you guys. Yeah, that I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't very happy with you. Yeah, no. He he blew it up and in, the, like... in the video, he restrained himself a bit. <laughs> he was like, "What was? What were they thinking?" Because I knew what I was gonna have to do. Yeah, we yeah. have to walk all the way. I mean, in our first go with it, we tried getting both of us in our gear, yeah, and it was just like... a complete mess. I mean, we got flooded over instantly. All of our stuff got wet. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> His poor boots were soaked through and then he had to walk so now so this is the most memorable thing probably for you on the trip or one of them yeah so yeah. what what happens now so you go you get into the the mini magnum rapid yep with both of us the sheep and the horns and we are bailing we're literally stopping pulling out and dumping the water out unloading and, everything yeah, unloading <laughs> everything there, where uh is it camas creek that you killed your sheep on right oh uh, yeah it was yeah. one of those yep camas yeah so where camas creek came in it's called the camas creek Riffles, yeah. Riffles was very gentle. Riffles. <laughs> uh, yeah. Name. Riffles is code. <laughs> Riffles is code for a uh, mile and a half of nothing but whitewater rapids. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was a mess going through that. Um, but after that, we we kept on hitting rapids. We dumped the boat out. We we kind of figured it out, and we were just. We're so tired of this. Just sounds out. surprising with a name like Hydroforce. You're thinking this thing's oh, just yeah. going to go through anything. No, no, this had a transom on the front. <laughs> insert, insert picture here. Yeah, <laughs> insert picture. Here. Yeah. So we at this point, our phones are dead, so we can't video any of this. GoPro's dead. Can't video of any of it. Camera, we don't want to get it soaked. So none of this part of the hunt is on video. We come up to a section of well, it was gentle. A it was a corner, a corner of yeah, blind, gentle blind corner. Gentle white water, and, and we're looking, like, eh, it's not that bad. We've been through all this, right? Yeah, and up until that point, if you look at the map, anytime there was a series of corners, you knew it was going to start kind of getting faster, and there's there's going to be some kind of rapid. But we were getting through them, yeah. And then we come up on this one and going into it, where I'm looking I'm like, oh, I think we want to be on the right side, and oh no, that looks pretty pretty rough. Oh, this isn't as bad as the one back there, so we'll get through it. Let's yeah, just stay in the middle, yeah. <laughs> so we're in the middle of this thing hold on did those did the other raptors tell you about no no okay they mentioned not. two they mentioned two and this was tappen, number 22 tappen <laughs> yeah. and cove this one yeah this was a long ways into the trip and uh as we're getting closer we're in the middle like adam said as we're getting closer we're just you're watching the water and suddenly it starts getting steeper and steeper <laughs> and steeper then you can't see past it. And then you it. can't see past it. And we're going into this thing hitting huge waves, huge rollers. 
with everything on the boat. And we borrowed a rifle from a guy that we met that tagged out. And why was that? Why'd you have to borrow a rifle? Because my scope got water in it and how could it have gotten water in it? (laughs) Who knows? Who knows how it could have gotten water in it? But we borrow this rifle and we're going through the rapids and it's in between us. And Adam's up front. I'm in the back. I'm kind of straddling Adam. I'm sitting crisscross. Adam's sitting crisscross. I'm straddling Adam on top of everything. We're not like down in the raft, we're literally on on top top of the raft. And we're already, at all. we're already full of water. Yeah. And we haven't even hit the worst part of the rapid yet. We get into this thing and we smoke this rock and we get Big sideways, boulder. huge boulder. And we're sideways and Adam starts screaming, it's a waterfall. What? <laughs> three, uh, two or three times he screams, it's a waterfall. And then he screams lean and he kicks off the rock. Barely. He barely gets his foot out and kicks off the rock. Gets us from going, we're going up like we're up like that going <laughs> over the waterfall he kicks us off the rock and somehow we both managed to lean back and correct it but the boat goes completely under the water we yep. went submarine style we went completely <laughs> under the water and by god's grace we popped out of that rapid in this big pool and we you lose, got a borrowed we, a borrowed expensive rifle yeah at least a five thousand dollar rifle <sighs> and we didn't Oh, lose man. that. We didn't lose an antler. We didn't lose a scrap of sheep. Not the horns. Nothing. Nope. But all of our gear was completely soaked. Completely. Everything that Adam had was soaked completely through at that yeah, point. Yeah, and at this point in the hunt, I think I had two or three dry bags. All of them had holes in them. <laughs> and so we completely submerged everything. Sleeping bag. All my extra clothes. I mean, at this point, we're in our rain gear. Yeah, yeah, we were wearing a really stock. That's ranger. it, you know, rafting. So all my clothes are in a bag, so everything is completely drenched at this point, and it's becoming evening at this yeah, this time. Yeah, it was already because we were. It was like a an eleven mile float that day. We were trying to get knocked out to get yeah. to the airstrip, and we were like nine miles in when we hit that. Yeah. So <sighs> what do they call that one? Arapa, Arapa, no Arapaho. Aparejo. Aparejo. That's what it is. <laughs> but what is it called when you go through that specific spot that you guys were Oh, in? that's called getting May tagged. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we got May tagged thoroughly. Yes. So would that be like the one that you would tell down the road? The story that sticks out to you? Oh, oh yeah. That, that was the that was the culmination of that was the 20th day out there. And that was the culmination of the entire experience. That was a that's a great way to uh lay out how everything ended. Yeah, I tell that story and a number of others before I even say anything about shooting the sheep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was such a small part of the whole whole hunt. Yeah, but and for me, not the most exciting part, but yeah. Everything else in between is just I mean, we've talked about it. You could write a you could write a book about that experience. So for you, what was uh aside from that one, what was like one of the big the big experiences that was memorable. Um, <laughs> mountain lions. Well, <laughs> that is memorable, but uh, for me, that trip we met so many people, uh, and that for the our whole hunt, hunting season, I've said this before. Uh, it was crazy. Everybody, almost everybody, we ran into knew who we were, and we connected with, with them. And everybody we met was just the nicest people you could ever meet and you just sit down and have 
awesome conversations. We yeah. stayed the night with a number of guys uh, out there throughout the hunt. And that really stuck out to me probably the most. If I got anything from that hunt, it was to connect with these people who knew who we were and and to be able to see uh, how they've been affected by what we're doing. That's cool. And it, yeah. was, it yeah. was awesome. I mean, we met, we met uh, Wade from down in Salt Lake. Uh, we met the guys from Boise. We met uh, another guy from Cascade, the backcountry pilot. He's this guy's flown into every single strip that you can think of in Idaho. I mean, he just he literally wrote the book on it. <laughs> That's cool. But no, he, he that was an awesome guy. Um, yeah, it, it was. That was definitely a big part of it. We met the rafters. That guy, the rafting guys. Uh, one of them, he'd been bitten by a rattlesnake when he was out there. When he was what sixteen, fourteen, yeah, somewhere yeah. in there, and he got bit by a rattlesnake, and they were way up the river still, and they ended up floating all the way out to the main salmon, which is really another, yeah. They went another sixty-five, seventy miles. Crazy. How how long did it take him to do that? A couple days with that big boat. You're just all that water's moving. You're 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 running. That was during the summer, so they were running with higher water at that point. So they were cruising out, and uh, yeah, he almost lost his leg. It was black and blue, and all sorts. It was wild that guy his father they were doing a they were doing a rafting trip with his father who started taking them back in the 80s right yeah, yeah something like yeah, that he started taking them back in the 80s and they were they wanted to do one last rafting rafting trip with their 80 year old father i mean he was easily 80 years old he was talking about how he sheep hunted it back in the day and crazy it was it was just cool meeting all the people down there that i didn't I don't have a single bad experience with any of those guys down there so uh, what Speaking of rattlesnakes, though, did you guys yeah. have, did you guys deal with any rattlesnakes on the trip? I, I know Adam yeah. had some kind of situation. I, I don't I actually don't know if I've ever really heard the story. I know. Okay, I know so, that you about got bit or something. Yeah, it's shortly after we tried our first. Yeah, run. so you dropped us off, and we hunted for I think two or three days. Yep, from the strip, and then we ended up coming back, and we our plan was to grab the raft and start heading down, and we'd go. We're like, oh. We have 10 days. We'll go like four miles and then hunt a day or two and then go four more, four or five more miles and hunt. So we hunted two or three days. We come back down. We go, we hike the raft down to the river, blow it up, realize it's ultra tiny. <laughs> but at that point, we didn't have much. We just had our gear. We hadn't accumulated a pile of sheds or a sheep at that point. So we both get in and decide. I think we, I think. The place we wanted to go was like four, four miles. Yeah. Yeah. It was about four miles. We went, uh, we were trying to get three miles down to our, or two miles down to our gear. Two miles. Oh yeah. We had come down and dropped some gear off. So we were like, okay, we can get to there and then a little bit farther we'll camp out. So, and it's getting, it's almost evening. I think we were two hours before dark. We got in and you don't want to raft in the dark. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) we both get in (laughs) and it's all fun and woohoo, this is going to be sweet. And we start floating and we get to the, just this small rapid. I mean, it wasn't looking at all the other ones we went through. That yeah. one was tiny. It was nothing. But we go through it and just take on a crazy amount of water and just completely soak ourselves right off the bat. So we pull over and we're, we're sitting there get dumping the boat out, dumping our boots out. And we're oh, like, geez. what are we going to do? And yeah, we're, we're 30 we're sitting, miles away from the strip we're trying to go to. Yeah, And I'm thinking there's no way we're going to make it all the way Yeah, like this. And so we sit there for a while and we come up with the plan that Colton is going to hop in the raft and go down and I'll hike. I'll put, I think I've had like 40 pounds of gear 
and I'll meet him at our gear and then keep on hiking and we'll try to make it to the spot we're in the camp. So we get back across, send him on his merry way. And I'm, I'm in my tennis shoes at this point. I think, uh, yeah, yeah I was you're in your tennis shoes. Tennis shoes. Yep. And it's a rocky trail just up in the rocks, you know, in the cliffs and I'm above the river and I'm sitting there, I'm videoing Colton coming down and get a couple cool shots. And I turn around and I had two miles to get to our gear where I wanted to meet him. And so I just started jogging. I was like, well, I'm wearing my tennis shoes. I got my 40 pound pack on, but I was like, I could start jogging. I was like, I'm going to try to beat him. Yeah. It's kind of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I start jogging. I went after I got a video of him. I turned around, started jogging, went like, I don't know, a hundred yards, just going kind of have my head down and there's a rock about this big in the trail and i just kind of leap over it just you're jogging you just kind of hop over it well i hop over it and i look down and here's a rattlesnake coiled up on the back side of this rock and i i don't i didn't even know this was possible but i leap (laughs) over this rock in midair i leap again (laughs) (laughs) he double jumped i double jumped (laughs) because i see that i just (laughs) catch a glimpse of this rattlesnake as it actually struck at my foot and i had i not double jumped i think it would have grabbed it would have got me on the cap so i get over it and this is the first interaction i've ever had with the rattlesnake we don't have them up here and i don't spend a lot of time down there uh that time of year so I turn around and I, and my heart is just pounding. What in the heck just happened? And it's sitting there just, you know, rattling and hissing at me. And I ended up, I don't know how people feel about this, but I ended up killing it because I wanted to take it home and, you know, have something to show for this. So yeah. <laughs> I ended up killing the snake and I grab it and I still had like a mile and a half to go. So. I'm scared. I've heard that after you kill them, they can still strike you. Yes. Yes. But I had hit it in the head with a rock. And so it was kind of, I was like, I don't know. I don't think it could still bite me. So I had it by the tail and I was just walking with it, kind of holding it How out. big was it? Okay. That's a good size. Pretty good size. Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't like a little baby. Yeah, or no, I, I, think think it like had, a, I think it had 10. Yeah, it had 10. 10 rattles. rattles oh, wow. Yeah. So I think, I yeah. guess that's how you age them. Crazy. Yeah. So it was like a good size snake. And so I'm, I'm jogging uh, to our gear. And I I beat Colton. Yeah. I, he's just coming around the corner. And I beat him, and I get there, and our his rifle sitting there, and our our packs and or some gear sitting there, and I coiled it up right by his <laughs> rifle, and it's still that's like, funny, and it's still like moving because it just yeah it's nerves and stuff. Yeah, what's it's up with that? Moving. They still move. Yeah. That's creepy. So I, I coiled it up, things. and it's still moving, and he comes over, and I'm just sitting there, that's just funny. hanging out, and we're talking, and. He's like, okay, well, let's load this stuff up and then we'll, we'll just go another two miles before dark. And it was, it was about an hour before dark. So he turns around and he goes to reach down to grab his rifle and just jumps up. Snake! <laughs> and I, just, I, couldn't even, I couldn't even hold it and I just started just laughing, laughing so hard. And he's, yeah. like, he's like, I looked up at one point and I thought you were carrying something and you even yeah. maybe thought it was a snake. Yeah, I even thought it was a snake when I was going down, but it'd been... It'd been like over half a mile since I'd seen him. So it just come, it completely left my mind. And yeah, he set that thing up. But the the thing about like, I I get that people don't like, they like rattlesnakes and oh, don't kill them and all these things. This one was living in the trail. We had just walked over on that trail. Just yeah, back the other direction. Back the other direction to go get the raft and all the gear and stuff. 
and we knew more people were going to be walking down this trail. So like when you have a, a poisonous rattlesnake that's living on the backside of rocks and one guy gets lucky and doesn't get bit, it's like you should probably remove the option for people to get bit by a snake. Yeah, in what that would specific you? place, I wouldn't. It'd want be it. nice if the guy before you had removed it, right? right. Yeah, like, it, like it, do unto others, like Jesus says in Matthew seven, do unto others as it's like want done to you. It'd be like leaving a loaded, for you. It'd be like leaving yeah. a loaded gun on the backside of a rock, and every time you step, that's over, crazy. It goes off, I, so I'm always worried when we're in that country that um, I'm gonna be hiking up a hill or something, and go and stick my hand like because we're climbing up those rocks constantly. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm worried about getting hit in the face or. Like, that'd be bad. That'd It'd be, be really, really bad. bad. I mean, Shane last spring almost got bit by that rattlesnake. Same, same kind of thing. We were just walking down the hill and it struck at him. Like it was ready to strike at him. He almost stepped on the thing. So, so <laughs> gotta watch out for you. Him. Got rattlesnakes, and then one of my favorite stories that came out that I'm I know isn't in the video. Yep, <laughs> is when you were at Whitey Cox's. Uh, that's how you say it, right? Whitey Cox. Yeah, Whitey E. Cox. Whitey E. Cox. This grave. Yep. There's isn't there a hot springs there? Yeah. There's this there's this hot spring in right nice hot springs, right? Like nice, nice. <laughs> decent, real decent. So there's a what happened in that hot springs, Colton? Well, there's this grave, and an awesome grave. I I shared his story recently. He's a World War II vet. He was like the this guy was a precursor to the special forces. He was an Alamo scout. Saved a bunch of guys from over in the Philippines. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely okay. crazy. This guy lived a wild life. Came back. His mind caved in on him. He died. Anyhow, his grave's sitting there. And right next to him, right next to where he's buried, there's a, kind of a hot spring pool. It's like the tail end of the hot spring. You wouldn't sit in that one. That one's pretty gnarly. Adam asked, he's like, do you sit, after he went by, he's like, did you sit in the one right next to the grave? <laughs> it's like, no, 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 that thing's it's a mud hole. It was a mud hole. Was, okay. Yeah, you don't sit in that one. But there's another one up above it. And it had a nice gravel bottom in it. But there's a little bit of algae and stuff. I was like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. It's hot. It's a natural well, hot spring. And this was the morning after the, the morning after the rattlesnake. Yep. So that's where we camped out and we were soaked. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And so we laid all of our stuff out that night and then that had to wait morning. for the sun to come up and dry it out. So Golly, yeah, that was a struggle. Anyhow. So I go over to the hot spring first thing in the morning. I'm like, this is going to be nice. I'm going to just sit here and look up on the mountain and see if I see anything. Just kick back and relax a little bit. About five minutes goes by, and I start feeling this weird burning sensation. I start feeling pain all over my body. <laughs> You're going to feel a little pressure. Yeah, a little pressure. <laughs> pressure and feels a lot like pain. I, yeah. I'm like, this isn't... I've never had this happen in a hot spring before. I was trying to figure out what's going on. And I sit up a little bit. I'm sitting in my underwear at this point. And I sit up a little bit. I look all over my body, and there's these microscopic red dots moving all over me i mean everywhere it sounds enjoyable yeah all over literally everywhere i have these things crawling on me and i'm just feeling this biting and all this pain all over my body it's like being on fire almost like what is going on i wipe them and they like they're coming off a little bit but they're stuck to my hand now i can't get them off my skin and they're like biting me all over the place. They're in my hair. They're everywhere. <laughs> so this is like 730. Are you wallowing in this hot spring? You Pretty just much. Like yeah. <laughs> so this is like 730, 8 o'clock in the morning. I jump out and run barefoot down to the river. And the river's like, may, it might have been 30 degrees, the water temperature. It was 
30 degrees. You realize 30 degrees is below freezing, right? Okay. It was not 30 degrees, <laughs> but it was like 40 degrees. <laughs> Let's call it 40 degrees, uh, which is a major temperature shift from hot spring to ice cold, nearly ice cold river. <laughs> so I'm down there and just scrubbing myself and taking a bath in the river. First thing in the morning, I come running back over to Adam and I'm not wearing any of my clothes. I separated all my clothes into a uh, separate grocery bag. And I was like, I need you to try and get the rest of the red bites off of my back. So he's like, <laughs> he's checking it and making sure nothing's on me. And I want to check you for yeah, ticks. The, it was <laughs> it was horrendous. And it turns out that these things are called red spider mites. And when they bite you, they're trying to lay eggs in you. <laughs> <laughs> your immune system has to kill them off from inside your bloodstream. What? Yeah, dead serious. I'm not even joking. It, so these red spider mites, are, they're absolutely horrendous. There's a list of hot springs throughout the West, Idaho in particular. Go through, make sure you know which hot springs have red spider mites. This one turned out to be the worst one in Idaho. The premier with, destination. The premier red destination mites. for red spider mites. Impregnating you with their eggs. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> horrible, horrible experience in that hot spring. But then we found... The ultimate hot spring shortly thereafter. And Adam doesn't go on hot springs, but he actually went in this one. Wow. Even though I just had the worst experience of my life. Yeah. So, so uh, you had mentioned earlier, like the people of the backcountry. Like every time we run into people in the backcountry, they're just, they're awesome people. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of like it just draws that type of person. Mm -hmm. And so, but the one thing I was thinking of as you were talking about that is like you go back to Whitey E. Cox. Yeah. And like he was another one of those people that probably if you'd run into him back there, you we would have just got along awesome with him. And that's just like over all these different generations. Then he mm -hmm. actually died in a a mining accident, right? Yeah, the, the mine caved in on him. Okay, yeah. So, but then so like even go back before that. So one of my favorite things about that country when I was spending time in there is we had hiked up from an airstrip, um, and there were a ton of Native Americans in that country. They were the yep. sheep eater Indians. Yep, the Tukadika. Is that how you say yep. it? Yeah. And so, um, but they had lived in that country forever, right? And so, yeah. in these different little caves and stuff, you have the cave paintings and like, there's all this awesome history in that country. But the cool thing to me is like, you just look, it's always been kind of a type of person that is in there and mm -hmm. that country is just absolutely incredible. And so, like these Indians and... um and Whitey Cox, like all the settlers, all these guys were just tough and tenacious and you have to be to yeah. be in that country. Yeah. And like, you think about it, those stories that you're telling, like those guys were living the same thing a hundred years ago, 200 yeah. years ago, 300 years ago yeah. in there, just surviving in those conditions. But there's also, so like there's the danger side of it, but then just the insane beauty. So like, what were the, what were the most beautiful moments on the trip? Would you say like just pretty vistas, things like that? That morning that we woke up in the back of marble is pretty cool. Yeah. I'd say the, the mornings and the evenings just um just moving around every night. You're never staying in the same place more than one night. And so just getting getting to see those different views and waking up, you're already up there and just sun's coming up over the mountains and just getting to see the different views every day and even though there wasn't any animals in it, it was still, it was beautiful. And, um, Shane and I talk about it all the time. Oh man, we've stayed in some awesome places together. Just 
through in the mountains, you know, every place is different. Um, but I think that was the terrain and just the beauty of it all was. And very untouched ground. I mean, outside of the airstrips and the, um, there were some outfitter trails from way back when in that country and old prospector trails. But besides that, I mean, very, very untouched and, uh, natural beauty in there for sure that's cool didn't have a lot of animals but it was just like when you were in these places especially once you got off the river and you're hiking around it you knew that not a whole lot of people have been in this spot like you're seeing something that it takes a lot of effort and time to get into and i mean at one point we were 20 miles away from the airstrip so so yeah, miles what? Away, that's, <laughs> there's something majorly lost in translation because you watch these videos and you see I mean, the country looks steep, it looks rugged, but there's something so lost in translation with video and reality because that country is, I mean, it's brutal. Like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and we have been a part of taking several different people in, like in various, like whether it's bear hunting, elk hunting, whatever, in some of that country, um, some of that steep breaksy type country all over the place. Um, and nobody is ever prepared. Like I've met very few people that are prepared for it. They get in there and it just beats you down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even being in shape after a couple of days of hiking in there, you're wore down. And so you guys at 19 days, how many days was the second run? Cause we went in two different runs. Second run was uh, 11, 11. Well, we were actually 12. out there for 12, 12 days. with the final rafting. So how are you feeling physically? Like great. I actually, we were, we were feeling pretty, we weren't feeling that bad at that point. We, <laughs> the day that we realized the scope was fogged in that was a pretty rough day because we had literally just taken off from the strip and we were planning on doing a loop and we were going to go for seven days okay so we had seven days worth of gear on us and we got up where we camped we were almost three thousand feet above the river and where we found out that the scope was broken was about two thousand feet above the river what a mess so uh, we kept going because we figured hey we might be able to find something from up here there's a cool ridge um but yeah i mean it it that country it's really not about how i mean being in shape helps obviously but it's more than that it's um it's mental wanting it yeah it's all it's really it really is mental it's it's um you have to be willing to push yourself as hard as you can so how did that work on the trip Okay, so I was with you, I think, the first five or six days of the trip. Yeah. And then, like, for me, mentally, it was discouraging. To the point, you're just like, what? Yeah, what are we doing? Am I just wasting my time? What are we doing? So, you start getting 14, 15, 16 days into the hunt. Still haven't killed a sheep. The end of season is only three or four days away. Yeah. What? What's going through your head at that point when you're like, but now my once in a lifetime opportunity that I was so sure I was going to smack a big ram on. Yeah. Like yeah. now it might just end. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mentioned home. it a little bit in the video that I, I thought at that point we we're, I think we were at that point three or four days from the end of season. And I was just floating down at that point. Adam was hiking. I was like, I've realized that this might not happen. Like it actually might not happen. It might not kill a sheep in here. And it was, uh, it was, it was strange. I, I started just accepting the, 
the beauty of the spot, the location. I, I want to float that river again, just because it's so incredible. Like the things that you see and, um, that you've just, would you upgrade from the hydro force? I would upgrade to? from the hydro force. No, I'd, I'd want one more change. person to be able to be in the boat with me without <laughs> flooding it every quarter mile. But no, it, um, <clears throat> I don't know. You kind of, at that point you're just living out there. So it's, yeah, we were looking for sheep, but there's so much else going on. Just, just literally, just the scenery was worth the entire trip. It was gorgeous. It was phenomenal. Seeing what, seeing where people had lived and suffered through, even like, uh, and not just suffered, like they made a life out there. There were countless people that made lives out there. That's in what that I spot, cool. which is, which is crazy. Like you think about nowadays, we we idolize. They have the show alone now where people go out and like they make it 75 days we're talking about generations of people not just surviving but thriving out in this rugged place we where we ended up killing the sheep from uh by tapping gulch there's a cabin right there i forget her name right now her and her husband but they had this awesome little homestead right there and they lived there for years and then one day the government took away their cattle lease so they had to leave and go back into town. But awesome little cabin. They used to ride in from forever away with all the stuff that they needed, like extra supplies and things like that. But for the most part, they stayed there. And she had a garden. She had fruit trees. She had cattle, chickens, everything. Does it make you feel a little wimpy when you're wanting to tap out and leave and you kind of think about the yeah. people that... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about this woman that's literally just living an incredible life back here she ended up dying at what like 90 or something like that in that's callous so yeah just so it's wild to think that like how tough people were you see people that are like oh including myself like oh this terrain's hard to hike around in and live in and these people just thrived yeah, I mean, in fairness, they probably weren't hiking up those mountains no, every day no, hard for two weeks straight, right? No, no. Like, when you, you cultivate a life in there, you're actually living. But yeah. I get what you're saying, for sure. What about you, Adam? Like, mentally... Okay, so here's the craziest thing. You're the one with the tag. Oh, yeah, and this guy's just being so, dragged with me. Adam's out there. Support, help. Yeah. Like, what goes through your mind, like... Was it a waste of time? Do you feel, start feeling like it's a waste of time? It's hopeless? What do you think? Honestly, yeah. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think that. And it wasn't every day. There'd be, I'd have days where it's like, man, this sucks. We the, should just, we should just go home. Broke, that was a bad day for both like, of what us. Are we, what's the point of even being out here Like at this point? Let's just go home. And yeah, the day the scope broke was, we were defeated. I mean, Colton was <laughs> crushed. We're sitting there on the hillside. You, you have a, a rifle that doesn't work. Yeah. Like what you, if we see a sheep, you can't shoot it. So what's the point? Well, and, we tried everything to get that scope. Oh, we to work tried too. everything. I, I yeah. cut into it with a Leatherman. I used a saw and yeah, cut, cut a into hole. the scope. Cut a hole into the scope and jet boiled the scope, trying to get get all the water out. The water out. And we figured so we're two thousand <laughs> feet up from our three thousand foot climb to where we wanted to camp, looking into this awesome basin. And we figured, okay, if we can get up there and we'll camp out tonight, we'll glass all evening, all morning, and then wait the next day and 
in the hot sun, maybe try to dry the scope out, which actually made it worse. Ah. The the heat made it just fog up inside. Yeah, but we get up there and we camp out. Yeah. And this is one of the... This is the hardest day of the... This is the hardest day. I don't even know what day it was. It was probably 15 or 15, day 15 or something. Oh, I don't even know at this point. It might have been uh, day 14. But I think that was the, the most beat down I was. Because, I mean... Yeah, we had these super heavy packs. We just hiked yeah. way up this hill for... Our, well, it felt like no reason. Yeah, we were going to do this huge loop, seven-day loop. to the. We were going to hike over the mountains to the airstrip instead of taking the river. And we were, oh. we were going to leave our boat and... Uh, Oh, and I remember that. And get yeah. picked up yep. later. Yep. Yep. So that was our goal because we we're going to look at all these different basins. And because when you're floating, you're wasting days, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Floating. Yeah. You are. If you want to move it, you're, you're wasting a day. And so we're getting down to the last four days, four yep. or five days of the season. And, and we're like, okay, we, we can't be floating the river. We got it. Because then, I mean, you're floating the river and then you're having to hike all the way back up there. But if we got up there, oh, we could just stay on top of the ridges and hunt all this. Well, then the scope breaks. And now we're like, now what? So we I think that was the moment that changed the entire hunt, honestly. Oh, it, it yeah. It, it, turn that, yeah, it could have. We would have done something completely different. Yeah. So. But anyway, so one of the kind of cool stories, uh, was that night we get up there and we gloss all evening and it's nice weather. So we just throw our sleeping bags out on the ground. Well, we had, neither one of us were packing handguns. No. On this whole trip. It's too heavy. I mean, I'm like, oh, well, why? What's out here that I need? To, there's no grizzly bears. So yeah. I need to pack yeah. A handgun. So we had this rifle with a broken scope and it's dark. The moon, well, no, the, the moon was out yeah. and it was bright. You, it was almost like you could just walk around without a headlamp. Though. That's cool. So we go to sleep and about midnight, I wake up and I just pop up and I'm looking around and Colton pops up and I was like, did you hear that? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I said, you know what that is? He said, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know what that is too. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, birds uh, aren't chirping at night. So there's something behind us chirping. Going, Meow. yeah, kind of like that. And so we're sitting there and it, yeah, the moon is, we're in the timber, but the moon's shining through and you could kind of see. So we're looking around all of a sudden, right over the hill to my right, one starts chirping and then one over here to the left starts chirping. So there's three surrounding us chirping. And what it is, is it's mountain lions. It was a family of mountain lions. It's a family of mountain lions. And in my experience, I, I think. Cause I, you do a lot of cat, you do a lot of cat. We do cat hunting. Yeah. Um, and we don't necessarily hear that when we're cat hunting. The one time I heard it was actually in the summer. We thought it was a cow elk mewing. And so I went in to investigate and it was a big tom lion sitting under a tree chirping. Okay. And so that's where I, my knowledge of it came from. So at this point, I'm like, okay, we're like, there's three mountain lions chirping all around us. And I told Colton, I said, you know why they do it? Or you know when they do it? And he's like, when? I said, when they're hunting. <laughs> and at this point the rifle the Bro. rifle is leaned up against a tree like 15 feet away from us so we're just yeah. laying there our sleep bags i'm expecting at any moment just to get pounced on yeah. that's awesome so, so, so I, I get up yeah. walk over to the tree grab the rifle and come back and 
start yelling, hey, get out of here. Yeah. And then it went, it went silent. As soon as we started making noise, it went silent. So then we're like, okay, now what? What do we just lay down and go back to sleep? So we laid down and fell back asleep somehow. And about, I think it was like two hours later, wake up and they're right there again, chirping. Yeah. Again, like two, two, three hours later. Yep. And so we get up and start yelling again and walk around a little bit and never saw them. And I figured with the moonlight, we would have been able to see them. And I even got my headlamp out. We shined it around, didn't see eyes or anything and went to sleep and woke up in the morning and we were still alive and they weren't anywhere around us. So that wasn't even the first time I dealt with a mountain lion on that trip. The time that we split up when you were down there. Yeah. I stayed up the night by myself and that same thing happened to me. I had, it was just one lion. And it was chirping. Well, and then, so fast forward a couple of weeks, you end up taking a mountain lion. Like, Oh, yeah. So it was the year yeah. of the mountain yeah. lion. Everybody I've talked to that has taken a mountain lion, like a lot of people this last year, they've been dealing with weird encounters with mountain lions. Um, a girl up here had a mountain lion chasing the deer and it turned towards her. Um, another guy down in Sandpoint, he, uh, he was antler hunting, ran into a lion, killed it at like five feet. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. Lions are just acting weird this year. Yeah. So that was a weird fall Mm. anyway with temperatures and everything. Yeah. But so, all right, maybe we kind of get towards the end of this because I have some thoughts after you guys shared all these stories. But um, so it comes down to the last day of season, or it was the second to last day of season when you finally find a ram. Uh, I found him. So we got down to tapping. On the third to last day, we got down in the evening and we had some food. Adam ate like 7,000 calories because we got a goodie bag from our friends down there. (laughs) (laughs) And then I hiked way up on the mountain. Adam was hanging out down lower and I hiked way up because I was like, I have got to get higher and try and find something up here. So I went way, way up on the mountain. I glassed over and I spotted two sheep working in a... Uh, scree slope and they were rams and they were way the first, up there way up there these things were almost four thousand feet off the river where they're oh, out living and they're up in the scree slope and they're feeding in it and pawing in it and they lived up there for or they were up there for a few minutes and they disappeared back over the ridge so i went back down got dark on me and uh went back to adam and i was like hey found like found some sheep so we need to get up on this hill first thing in the morning, glass up there and try and find them again. Hopefully we do. We hiked up about a thousand feet or 1500 feet off the river on that side the next morning. And we start glassing and suddenly I just catch a glimpse of one up in the timber and well, they were lower and no, not at that point. They were higher. They were higher at that point. They were above that little screen. Oh, yeah, so they, yeah, they, they were up down, on that ridge. Yeah, so right. we were watching them and I'm just seeing multiple sheep at this point first i see the one sheep i'm looking i have the spotter out i'm just picking it all apart then another sheep then another sheep then another sheep and every single one just keeps on dropping like flies none of them are rams it's like you've got to be kidding me there's nine sheep sitting up here and i can't find a ram out of any of them none of them are like a big ram nothing and they they start working down through the timber they drop off it's it's cool watching them, but I'm just like desperately trying to find actual sheep that I want to shoot. And uh kind of distraught at this point. So we go hiking back down. We lose sight of them. Don't know exactly where they're at at this point. 
we hike back down to the camp and we're talking thinking about what we're going to do we don't know if we're going to go up there and try and find a sheep mixed in with them or what we're going to do and uh adam looks up and yeah, from the like, river from the river and he's like well there they are and just the naked eye yeah just the yeah. naked eye and so, they were literally running down the hill yeah they were running down the mountain they came down 2000 feet so they were just 2000 feet above the river and 2000 feet above the river i will like down there even with none of our gear on when we went across after those things and started hiking up it was so hot out and so steep and it was shale loose ground it was everything that you don't want to hike up and there was points where we were it, i had to put the gun on my pack at one point and climb up freehand and adam looked at it and he's like no i'm not doing it <laughs> he went around it which is probably smart because i i mean i legitimately if i had fallen I, it would have messed me up pretty good but we uh yeah we picked our way up there and got in on him and then we're sitting there and have this ram the ram that ended up taking he's bedded up underneath the tree with all these other sheep around him and a couple sheep blocking the shot on him it's just too close it's 400 and 70 yard 470 yard shot the scope that we borrowed had a was it 30 or 35 power it was, oh, it was ridiculous it was a loophole i think it was 30 yeah. just to be i'm pretty sure it's 30 anyhow 30 power loophole scope awesome scope and a 28 nozzler and i'm sitting there rock solid ready for this thing just stand up that's all i'm wanting to do all the other sheep stand up we sit there for over an hour waiting for these sheep to stand up all the other sheep stand up and they're moving around feeding like they just move out into the nice open scree slope and they're feeding and pawn and the sheep instead of standing up and walking out there and stopping doing whatever other sheep did he stands up and does not stop walking all the way across the scree slope <laughs> That's right into the timber so then we packed everything back up we thought we were gonna have this nice setup with multiple camera angles and all this stuff and awesome shot and instead we go scrambling up the mountain at this point we think they're probably gone something got spooked somehow that's funny and they walked into the timber and we figured they'd probably went up and over and we're gonna try and catch them we go up there and find the sheep and shoot it and the rest is history and those things just kind of stood around and watched us that's awesome but yeah it, so what did you think when you walk what did you think when you walked up to your sheep i knew it was small but mm, that's as far as that goes, it wasn't like, so the oh, question, wow, I, I just killed a giant. Would, I think the people, question that some of the guys would ask is, why did you shoot it? Because you could have put it in maybe for it again in a couple of years. Yeah. Hunted, so yeah, for like, sure. What were the contributing factors that led to you deciding, like, I'm just going to, this has been a good hunt. I'm going to end it this way. It was, it was just that. It was, it had been a really good hunt. And honestly, I'd realized it wasn't, I've said this a lot, but it wasn't the size of the sheep. It was the size of the experience on the hunt. So we just spent all this time out there, and all this energy, and we had lived out there. And it wasn't, like, in my mind at that point, it did not matter if it was a large sheep or a small sheep. It could have been a giant sheep. It, it wouldn't have changed. Like, it wouldn't have changed how the actual hunt went for me. So the experience of the hunt was what mattered, and those horns of that sheep are just going to be the memory of that time out there. Yeah. See, the so that's something that I don't animal. think we've ever, we've ever like talked about necessarily, but for me, and I know it's the same for you when I look, cause people are like, Oh, 
what do, what do the antlers matter? What do the horns on a sheep matter? Like, why didn't you go after a big one? But for me, when I look at that animal, like I'm sitting here looking at a, my first nice bull that I killed that you called yeah. in for me right yeah. now. And like every time I glance at that thing, even like my mind automatically just goes back to all the memories of that five <laughs> days of us being in the backcountry hunting that thing. Yep. And it wouldn't, and likewise, I have small animals too. And every time I see them, I remember, I remember everything. So it's not the size of the animal. Like for yeah. me, it, it memorializes kind of throughout the Bible. Um, like Joshua was told to stack these stones of remembrance. That way, whenever anybody saw these stones of remembrance, they go, oh yeah, yeah. this is what happened then. And so there's these things and it's, it's so true for anything, whether it's antlers or stones or, you know, a picture, yeah. um, these things conjure up all these memories. And so I totally get what you're saying. Because I, I know you've gotten yeah. a little bit of... Like, I get a little bit of backlash for it. And I, I understand it. I do. I, I do understand that there's the conservation end of it. and Let the younger ones live so they can breed and move on. Um, I, I do get that. But at that point, it was, it, was, it was the decision I made, first of all. Secondly, it was that remembrance of the hunt. That When I look at that sheep, it is going to be all these stories coming back. Almost Adam almost dying due to a rattlesnake. The the hot spring. You busting your face the first time that we scouted out down there. Um, hiking up in all those mountains, seeing all the different animals that we did end up seeing. I mean, there's so many. We saw so many lambs and ewes once we moved down on the river more. And we were hiking up into those drainages. and Saw a bunch of lambs and ewes and we drank out of two different mud holes and learned that my filter didn't work and (laughs) there like there's so much that happened over the course of that and it's true that that sheep even though it's not a giant sheep i will always remember it i didn't i went about it the right way i hunted hard we hunted hard all of us hunted hard we all put time and effort into it you flew us in a bunch of time times it was our first fly-in hunt that you you dragged us in there and dropped us off and gave us a tiny boat. There, there's just tiny so boat. there's so much tiny that went boat. into it. Adam, Adam, finally, I convinced Adam to finally get in a hot spring. Like there, there's just there's all these things. Nights in the Blue Lagoon. <laughs> that just sounds yeah. terrible. I know it, it terrible. sounds terrible. That tent, that tent, the Blue Lagoon. Yeah, but no, there, there's so much. There's so much more to the head than the size of it, and. Uh, we get we get messages both ways. A lot of guys they'll ask us, "Why do you guys only kill bigger stuff?" It's like it's not it's not true. First of all, <laughs> like I don't only kill big things. There's a lot of smaller animals I've killed. In my some life. of that's a little bit subjective too, because like I would say I've never killed a big elk, and some guys would be like, "Oh, dude, you kill big elk all the time." Mm-hmm. Some yeah. of it's subjective because yeah. like I've never killed a 400 inch bull. That's I a big know. Bull. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. <laughs> it, some people are like, oh, why would you even shoot that thing? And other people are like, oh my gosh, you only kill big stuff. And yeah, it's the reality is that we hunt and we come off with the memories that we come off with, like one way or another. And those are my memories from the hunt. Just that's incredible a good way of, times. Like, I know for me, deep down, like I don't hunt for anybody else. I'm not hunting so that people are going to like my pictures or. No. Like I'm out there for the love of the game, mm-hmm. yeah. I truly, you know, and I've there's been a yeah. It's dangerous because you it's easy to judge anybody's heart. Like I, yeah. But the one thing that's true, I guess, would be a better way of saying it. The one thing that's true is the people that we run into in the backcountry, we get along with, awesome. 
And so oh, yeah. I think that's kind of a, that's something that's just kind of really surfaced for me as we're just even having this conversation is just like, but whatever, like whatever reason you're out there, it just seems like enjoy it, embrace it. Yeah. And like the fact that we are so blessed and privileged to even go on a hunt, like you're talking to, like how many people in the world can actually have actually been able to go and get flown into the middle of nowhere and hunt for 20 days? Not like, many. That's a, yeah. Then, yeah. That experience is one that will stay with me forever. So here's something that I wanted to say, and I've just been listening to your guys' stories and kind of started off talking about how um, you didn't like sheep hunting. Oh, yeah. And here's what I want to say is it's so easy for us to focus in on the negative things or like how it didn't Mm -hmm. live up to our expectations. But there's a verse that has really shaped me for a long time, and it's found in Philippians chapter four. And I'm just going to pull it up real quick here. And this book of Philippians written by the Apostle Paul, a man named Paul, and he was Saul before that, and he had persecuted the church, and then all of a sudden he has an interaction with God, radically changes his life. He ends up writing almost half of the New Testament, God using him in that way. Um, but he writes this book of Philippians from prison, yep. right? And so, like, and these prisons back then were terrible prisons and horrible places to be, but the whole book is written with joy. And in Philippians 4, um, he talks really a lot about this mental game that, and I don't know if game's the right word, but so much, you know, we're to take all of our thoughts captive and bring them into obedience to Christ. Uh, but when it comes to anxiety or negativity, mm-hmm. Philippians chapter four has incredible insight to that. Um, in verse four of chapter four, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so when we talk about anxiety, like what are we fixing our mind on? Where Mm -hmm. instead of thinking about our problem, our situation, or how things are going sideways or aren't going to work out for us, you know, those moments of despair, instead we're, we're praying and we're talking to God and we're being thankful for everything that we have. So like in the situation with the scope, you're like, man, this just totally derailed everything. You're looking at everything that might you might not have versus mm-hmm. your health. The fact that you're up in the middle of nowhere when everybody else is sitting in their cubicles, yeah. right? Like, yeah. So you're thankful for those things. Um, you're talking to the Lord and his peace guards your mind. But then this is my favorite verse when it comes to situations like the sheep hunt. And I guess why I want to bring this up is because with all the amazing stories that you guys have told, like... I would hate for you to just kind of file that memory away as like sheep hunting's bad because I think sheep hunting or, you know, sheep hunting wasn't really for me. When you look at those stories, like where else would you've gotten those stories? You get those oh, stories yeah. in sheep country, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, check this out though. And, and this is an encouragement to anybody listening, huge, because sometimes we, we t- think about events that have happened to us. And they didn't go the way that we wanted them to. And so we're like, oh, they weren't that great. I'd never do that again. But Paul says this in Philippians 4 verse 8. He says, finally, Brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Mm -hmm. And so when we think back about hunts, when we think back about events in our life, like all that stuff, we've got to it's easy. Our minds are kind of wired to go to the negative. And like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you actually kind of get 
an unright view. I don't even know if that's the right word. <laughs> you get a view towards it that's totally wrong. And it actually kind of robs some of the joy of the memory. Because like when I'm sitting around here and you guys are telling me the stories of your trip, I'm like, I wish I was there. Yeah. And I know in the moment, like there's a lot of stuff going on. You're just like, man, this is hard. This is whatever. But when we think about those things that are of good report, virtuous, that are praiseworthy, that are exciting, like you think about all those awesome moments and the memories, like lifetime memories that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we think about those and just focus on those, all of a sudden it goes from, you know what? It didn't go the way we wanted for sure. Like yeah. no doubt about yeah. it. Like and it would, different units would have been cool. But overall, like I think that's when guys talk about like, I'm a sheep hunter. And obviously there's some guys that are just in it for the horns. Um, but when people talk about the love of sheep hunting, what I think, what I think they're talking about is the love of that whole experience, the struggle. You know, I talked to guys that have gone two, three, four trips without killing a sheep yet, Yeah, but they're riding horses. They're up in the back country. They're going through the process. And so, yeah, yeah I think that, you know, I don't know what everybody's facing in life or how they remember different things, but it's interesting, you know, there's always so much good stuff and just to remember and be thankful for the fact that we're even out there yeah, should totally shape this. And he says that if we do this, the God of peace will be with us. And I don't know, that's just for me, as you guys were talking, I just feel like this is such a, it truly lived up to the hype of being a once in a lifetime hunt. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for right? sure. Yeah. I mean, that end. Yeah. Probably would have done some things different, but man, yeah. like that's some awesome stories. Yeah. No, and the the thing that I'll say is that it's not the sheep that I loved hunting. I loved hunting in that. Like I loved the adventure of the hunt. That's that's my best way to uh, I can personally put it. It's I don't know. It's the old saying. Uh, it's the journey, not the destination. So the sheep was kind of the the end of it, the destination of it. But like the sheep or elk or deer or whatever, like it could have been any of those animals in that same spot. And maybe they wouldn't have been in the same spot, but we found, we found mule deer sheds and some nasty stuff that you would think only sheep could live here. We, we found, we saw elk living in things that you think only sheep could live here and there's bears. And so when I look at it, the sheep dragged out the hunt for sure. It made it towards more of a, like the duration of the hunt was longer. Cause we saw those other, well, we didn't see a mule deer buck. So we could have hunted <laughs> nope. a mule deer buck in that country and for 19 days, for, gone for 30 days probably. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality of it is that the area, it's incredible. It really is. It, it's well, it, that's what I started saying yeah. this year was it's not what the quarry is, it's where it takes you. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, yeah. like, one of my favorite days of the whole year was just walking around with a shotgun in my hands in Alaska hunting ptarmigan. Yeah. Like, so that's that's what it's all about. And yeah. I think that's the that's the heart of sheep hunting, too. And that's where why we are. love bear hunting in the spring, because we're hunting sheep country. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, so yep. it's not it's not necessarily what it is, it's where it takes you and that yep. whole journey and the, the memories yep. that you make there. But I think I think that's a great place to wrap it up for today i think some awesome memories and i know there's 19 days we could sit here for hours and talk more and more about all the adventures and cool little things you remember and i'm sure i'll hear more stories over the years but yeah that's an incredible incredible adventure adventure and i just want to encourage anyone who's listening today uh you know 
God has just an incredible adventure ahead of all of us. And I think a lot of times we're living within that, but we can easily focus on the negative side of things. And I just want to encourage you um, to read through Philippians chapter four uh, as you as you go through these different situations in life where maybe you're anxious, maybe you're getting negative and depressed. Uh, Philippians chapter four is just a powerful, powerful passage in scripture for that. And if you want a resource to help you learn how to... Um, read, understand God's word, understand who God is, why you need a relationship with him, how to have a powerful um, and practical relationship with God that actually changes your life. We have our resource, The First Mile, that we want to send to you absolutely free. You can go over to our website. It's www.limitlesshunting.com. Request a copy there. We'll send it to you. We pay for the shipping, everything. We just want to see you growing in your relationship with Jesus and experiencing the life and life abundantly that he has promised for you. Thank you guys for joining us, and we hope you'll join us next time.